The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. And as I like to remind you each week, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. And I also am in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes an excellent newsletter called What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? If you're interested in Chen's letter, you need to... uh, uh, sign up, uh, put your name on a waiting list, and you can do that by going to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com. Uh, Chen will be taking new subscribers uh, at the beginning of the next quarter, uh, June. Uh, but uh, until then, uh, you'll have to put your name on a list. You do not have to wait to subscribe to my newsletter, J. Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. You can simply go to miningstocks.com, or you can get there also. The best way, I like to say, for doing it, uh, following everything that I do is to go to jtaylormedia, that's jaytaylormedia.com, uh, and then you can access this radio show as well as various other things that I do, including my newsletter, Chen's Letter, and some other things that I'm doing as well. Um, you can follow me as well on Twitter, uh, and the handle there is jtaylormedia. We do want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. Also want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Uh, our sponsors are Timmins Gold Corp., Bravada Gold Corp., Golden Arrow Resources, Miranda Gold, Sand Gold, SGX Resources, and Uranium Energy Corp. Well, I would like to just mention uh, some of the things that are taking place uh, with our sponsors and some of the other companies that I follow from time to time in my newsletter. Uh, I do think that this is a, a great time to be looking at buying junior mining companies because they've been battered down so hard. That said, um, are we near the bottom? Are we at the bottom? We're going to be talking to uh, we're going to be ca- talking to David Gerwitz of Charles Nanner um, Research uh, Firm a little later um, after the first break, and we'll hear what David has to say about that, as well as a host of other. Uh, other markets that Charles Nanner follows, and I um, want to say that I've been very impressed with the work of Charles Nanner, have used it myself, and uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that when David comes on the show, uh, have found it to be a very a very useful tool uh, for trading, um, not just gold and silver, but 
things like natural gas and volatility and things like that. So we'll be talking to David Gerwitz later on. Um, but our sponsors, Timmins Gold, uh, continues to do very well. Uh, in fact, I saw there was a Globe and Mail article that was suggesting that uh, Timmins Gold would qualify as a Warren Buffett stock. It is, uh, has a return on investment of over 20% and it's selling at a single-digit PE multiple. Uh, the company did uh, earn uh, – its earnings were up uh, record earnings last year in spite of the lower gold prices. So uh, Timmins is certainly one you want to keep your eye on. Bravada Gold selling at two cents. I must say that I picked up more shares of Bravada recently for my own uh, portfolio because I believe Bravada has some excellent assets that will ultimately be recognized by the market. Of course, it's a gamble. I'm not saying uh, anytime you're paying two cents for a stock, you've got a question. Obviously, uh, most people don't share my views of that uh, particular stock. So. You know, do your own research. Don't trust me, uh, but uh, but I would think that it might make sense to do your own thinking rather than letting other people tell you what to do. That's what we try to cultivate on this show: is to help people to think uh, with an open mind about all manners of of issues. Golden Arrow Resources. Um, well, I think they're on to a major discovery at the Chinchillas. A project, a property in Argentina. They've got over 100 million ounces, uh, silver equivalent ounces ready. I think it's 110 million ounces with uh, just a very small portion of that property or the target yet explored. And they have uh, seemingly found the feeder zone. So I think things could get very, very interesting with Golden Arrow selling at 29 cents, 41.8 million shares. Outstanding. Miranda Gold. Uh, at 20 cents. Now, this is, I think, a really interesting company. They've got $8 million uh, on their balance sheet right now. It's a project generator, so their burn rate is very low. But they're looking at opportunities to pick up companies that are distressed, and they've uh, seen some opportunities in Colombia. They're also in Nevada. So Miranda Gold is one, I think, at 20 cents makes uh, might really be very interesting. SGX Resources is a new sponsor of this show last week. It was the first week. We'll be talking to Dale Ginn sometime in the near future. It's really early days for SGX, but they've had some very, very good exploration results, like uh, recently a 17.6-meter uh, intercept of one-third of an ounce thereabouts. Sand Gold, I believe, is a turnaround situation. Uh, there, I've also purchased a, a fair number of sand gold for my own portfolio. Uh, I hope I'm right. There's no guarantees, of course. Uh, we'll be talking to somebody from sand gold in the near future as well to see how they're coming along. And Uranium Energy Corporation, the only non-gold and silver mining company on our list, uh, is really doing quite well. Uh, it increased its uranium production 45% in the last quarter to 69,000 pounds. Its cash cost is $23 uh, per pound. And um, uh, they have increased their resources in Texas uh, by 22% uh, to 16.1 million pounds. So we think there's lots of good things happening with our sponsors. Of course, there's lots of other companies that I talk about in my newsletter every week. Uh, on uh, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks uh, that are not sponsors of the show. Interestingly enough, though, all but SGX uh, are uh, recommendations in my newsletter uh, uh, as well. Uh, they are also, uh, I should say, are, are uh, rec- yes, they are recommendations in my newsletter, and they are sponsors of this show. Well, I do hope that you'll plan to attend the Liberty Mastermind Symposium on June 28th and 29th in Dallas, Texas. It's right uh, at the airport, at the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. Uh, The amazing Martin Armstrong is going to be there. Many others will be there as well. I'll be speaking there. Um, 
Martin Armstrong is the developer of the economic confidence model based on business cycles and pi. He is known for having predicted the 1987 crash to the very day. Uh, he is also known for predicting uh, the decline, uh, the Russian financial collapse as well uh, as the 1999 uh, Nikkei collapse. Uh, Martin was imprisoned uh, for civil contempt of court, and many people, many people, some that I know, believe that he was unfairly put away. Uh, probably some things he had to say that, um, uh, well, I, I don't know the the circumstances that well, but I will be meeting up with Armstrong. Uh, with Martin and expect to have him, uh, hope to have him on this show sometime in the near future. Um, but in addition to Martin Armstrong and myself, there's also a lot of other very interesting people going to be at this event. Uh, Jeff Berwick, David Borgen, uh, John Rubino, Bur- Bill Murphy of Gata, Carrie Lutz, Robert Ian, Chris uh, Dwayne, Andy Hoffman, uh, Gary Gibson, Michael Krieger, uh, Aaron Clary, uh, my, Mickey Fulp, who's been on this show, Elijah Johnson, uh, and Lindsey Hall. So lots of very interesting people, interesting speakers. It should be a, a real fun time. Again, it's, the, um, it's coming up on the 28th and 29th. Uh, do I have those dates right again? 28th, 29th in Dallas, Texas. To follow up and to sign up for this, you can go to my website at jtaylormedia.com, and you can find it right on the wets on the right side of the homepage, right underneath the guests that are listed for my radio show. There's a banner there. Just click on that banner, uh, and it will carry you through to the webpage, the master, the Liberty Mastermind Symposium banner. And you can go there and then um, and then learn more about the show. There is uh, a small charge, uh, an admission charge, but it is uh, what that means is that the um, the uh, the mining companies aren't there to sponsor this one. This is really one that's going to be paid for by those that attend. Again, I think that just to meet up with uh, Martin Armstrong, uh, in my view, is worth the price of admission. Not to mention all the other uh, interesting people and and uh, entertainment that will be at that show. Well, today we've, uh, we've titled our show, The American Empire, Rest in Peace. And Len Lamensdorf and Dr. Karen Houdis are uh, first-time guests. And, and as I mentioned a little bit earlier, just a few minutes, David Gerwitz of Charles Nanner uh, Research will also be with me. You know, America's founders never designed or never desired our Constitution to be an empire. Uh, but that is exactly what we have. Empires become entities uh, that are afflicted with enormous amounts of hubris as they become successful. Empires think that the rule of law no longer applies. It doesn't apply to them, at least the people that control the empires. Uh, and uh, as Ed Griffin and numerous others on this show have shown, there have been many years now, uh, for many years now, I should say, there have been a group of extremely rich global family dynasties uh, that have seemingly controlled the American political landscape. Uh, and in the process... Um, deceived the American people into thinking that if they give up their freedom and liberty, it's for their own good. Well, uh, without realizing it, I think the American people are in the process of throwing away the hard-won liberties of our forefathers. We have been hoodwinked, I believe, uh, to uh, so that we are ready to give up all of our freedoms and liberty for the sake of our next bowl of porridge or for our safety. Hopefully, when the people uh, of our country understand why we have emerged into a dictatorship of poverty and enslavement, 
they will understand its causes. Uh, though you can you can be sure that the propaganda artists who have lulled the American people to sleep will be as active as ever uh, to keep as many of us as possible down on the mushroom farm, as they say. Well, today, Dr. Karen Houdis, uh, former counsel to the World Bank, will be with me uh, to shine some light on the dastardly deeds of the ruling elite who have caused the U.S. to wage, in my view, wage unnecessary wars for their own, for the gain of the people behind the throne, uh, and who have also set up the spoils of World War II, one of which, in my view, is the World Bank. Now, Dr. Houdis is, I think, very idealistic. Uh, I'm sure... Uh, that I can share. I, I'm not sure that I can share her view. Actually, uh, that institutions like the World Bank, the IMF, and the United Nations are noble institutions, as we have been programmed to believe. We'd like to think so. Uh, I think Dr. Houdis believes that they are. If only we can get rid of the corruption, uh, I'm more likely to see um, empires behaving the way empires do. They control institutions and the powers behind the throne uh, tend to gain, gain the upper hand. And over time, especially if you are empowered by the printing press, uh, if you have the ability to print money, as, uh, as has happened, especially since 1971 when Nixon took us off the gold standard, that really paved the way, in my view, for a lot of the corruption that is going on in the world, and I think uh, has also made it very, very uh, afford, a very doable, I say, financeable, to uh, to carry out all manner of repression uh, of America's uh, American citizens as well as people overseas. Uh, so we are going to be talking to uh, to Karen Hudis, as I said. Uh, we are also going to be uh, we're going to be talking. Um, a little bit later than to, uh, to actually at, at half past hour, we're going to be talking to Len Lamensdorf. Uh, and he is really concerned, uh, if I understand him properly, and we'll be talking to him to find out exactly what he believes, uh, that uh, the American empire is uh, maybe in some trouble. Um, you know, its days may be numbered. Um, and if the days of the American empire are numbered, why is this happening? Um, you know, we heard Ron Paul say in front of the Republican, um, uh, in front of a lot of Republicans during the, uh, the presidential campaign uh, that the reason they came over here in, 19, in 2009 uh, uh the reason they came over here is because we're over there. And this was uh, really the CIA's view. Uh, that it was blowback, uh, that in fact uh, we were hit on 9-11 and, uh, because countries are really just tired of the American empire imposing their will and their way of life on, on other countries. And so to me that has a great deal of credibility. We will talk to Len Lamensdorf about that. And as I said, uh, Dr. Hudis as well. Uh, now, Dr. Kahutis is really quite interesting in that she believes there's a connection to gold, uh, that there are certain peculiar events in the gold markets, uh, such as the 300 tons of gold the Germans have requested and the U.S. has refused to send to them, uh, some other things taking place like, um, uh, like citizens uh, setting up or trying to get states to, um, to legalize gold and silver as legal tender. She sees these as, uh, as signs of possible demise of the U.S. currency. And Karen also is very much concerned, as I understand it, about um, the ability of the empire to stand. I mean, clearly, if the U.S. dollar loses its credibility globally, then you would think that the days of the American empire could very well be numbered. And that may very well be why there is such a huge fight against Bitcoin and other competitive uh, currencies that people would like to put in place. Uh, gold certainly would be a competitive currency. Congressman Ron Paul 
has called for uh, competition, not not uh, having gold as our currency, but just simply having gold compete with the dollar for uh, as money. But of course, maybe the powers that be, the powers behind the throne that have the advantage of printing endless amounts of money, using that money then to bid goods and services away from everybody else, certainly don't want to have that any more than a mafioso Don would want to give up his printing press uh, in the basement of his Brooklyn apartment. In any, in any event, uh, we are going to be talking uh, to uh, to uh, David Gerwitz, uh, we do have to go to a breakdown when we come back. Um, we'll be we'll be here with uh, David Gerwitz to talk about uh, Charles Nanner's latest views on some uh, key markets. Don't go away. I'll be right back with David Gerwitz. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Windfall profits happen frequently in gold exploration stocks, but the risk of losses are also common. Miranda Gold enhances prospects of shareholder gains by combining the intellectual capital of geologists, mine finders Ken Cunningham and Joe Herbert with other people's hard dollars in search for elephant-sized gold deposits in politically safe places like Nevada and Columbia. That keeps shareholder dilution to a minimum, so when discoveries are made, major gains are possible. For more, go to MirandaGold.com. Bravada Gold Corporation controls 18 exploration and development properties covering nearly 50 square miles in Nevada's well-known gold trends. Its flagship Wind Mountain Gold Silver Project is 100% owned and had an independent updated resource estimate and positive preliminary economic assessment in early 2012. This past September, Bravada signed an agreement with Argonaut Gold to further explore and develop Wind Mountain. For further information, please visit bravadagold.com. Attention mining investors, Brazil Resources Incorporated trading as BRIZF on the OTC and BRI on the TSXV is exploring and developing five gold projects in Brazil, surrounded by expanding gold mines and deposits. It's acquiring a nearly 700,000 ounce gold resource. BRI has top geologists earlier involved in discovering 10 million ounces of gold in Brazil, led by recognized mining executive Amir Adnani, chairman. Check out Brazil Resources or call 1-855-630-1001. That's 1-855-630-1001. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. It's really a privilege to have with me once again David Gerwitz. And, uh, you know, I, I really am pleased uh, to have met up with David. Uh, so welcome, David. Hey, Jay. Uh, by the way, the feeling is mutual. Well, uh, thank you very much. But I, I can tell you that uh, you've done a lot more for me than I've done for you so far. <laughs> I think, because I, I mean, it's just really um, Charles Nanner and uh, Charles Nanner Research 
uh, which you are really, you sort of head up the business end of that. Charles Nanner is the genius stock picker, and I don't use that word lightly. I don't call too many people geniuses because yeah. by definition there aren't that many of them, but I believe, I believe he qualifies as one, and probably I'm saying that because he's helped me make some money uh, very successfully. High, probably high. You know, the most of the trades, I think, with one exception, where it was more my my fault than anyone's, I've made money. Uh, for example, a short on natural gas netted me six percent in three days. Another one netted one percent in three days. Uh, most successful trade I've done since over the last month, and and you know it was only a little more than a month ago or so that you introduced me to Charles Nanner. I think the most successful one was uh, to. Buy by the VIX, um, and that you know gave me anywhere between fourteen and twenty-five percent in twenty-eight to thirty-eight days. Uh, you know, annualized overall, my gains have been very, very strong. So you know, five six percent average trade, ninety-three uh, percent annualized. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to argue with that. So you can understand why I'm glad to have you back. Well, I appreciate it. You know, Charles, amazing. As we've spoken many times, and as I've told you, I was trained as a talent scalp I got him Red Hour back many, many years ago. Yeah. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, he picked up Bill Russell and Dave Cowens and Larry Bird and Lenny Bias and a lot of other people. And, uh-huh. you know, when I met Charles, I read this guy's really, the, he's amazing. And as I've worked with him a decade now, and, uh, you know, I met him and he was doing work at Goldman, so I actually saw him down there. Mm-hmm. And they used to, I used to go down with him and see a See them give him a standing ovation in the block trading desk. He's the real deal. And yeah, he, you know, he, well, all you people you know, listening should write in to you know charlesnenner.com and just say that they heard the Jay Taylor show with David and to request to look at the research for a little while and then we'll speak to them and tell them our different subscription options. And but we have a you know business all over the world, clients all over the world, different types of clients all over the world, and we don't manage money. I always stress that, and yeah. we're no brokers, so we're really honest. Like a lot of times, right. don't do anything. Right. Well, that's right, and sometimes that's the best option. Let me just tell our listeners, it's charlesnanner.com, Charles, N-E-N-N-E-R.com, uh, and if you go there, that's, you can contact uh, the folks there and, and learn how you can work with them. Well, right. you know, David, it's very difficult for people that are focused in one area to a great extent like I am. I'm a gold bug, gold and silver, and, you know, I mean, I, t- I, I look at the economy, I... I you know, I'm very much interested in the equity markets, but I sort of take a global big picture and long-term orientation, and it's just been pretty difficult, for, especially if you're focused in gold and silver to make money. But Charles Nanner really looks, he looks at gold and silver. He watches those markets. I think he's an expert in, those, in the timing in those markets. But he looks at a whole host of different kinds of markets. And I want you to talk about some of the different markets and some of his views on those markets today. Uh, but, uh, but I know he put out a missive this morning, which he doesn't generally do. Generally, Charles puts out something Sunday evening with some charts. Then Monday morning, before the markets open on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but today, uh, as he did last week, he put out uh, an extraordinary, uh, or or, let's say an unusual missive, a very quick one, and he talked about the Nikkei and the S&P 500. Would you care to comment on that? Sure. I'm going to actually combine both of the things you said. He looks at a lot of markets. He sent something today. How does he look at a lot of markets? Because the whole idea of the system is that a set of data shows repeating patterns. So it doesn't really matter, as I'm reading right now, the S&P, the, 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 the morning update, the categories, S&P, NASDAQ, Canada, 
gold and silver, crude, nat gas, copper, bonds, bonds, which are German bonds, mm-hmm. euro, Aussie, Canadian dollar, yen, and then the euro yen. We cover that three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm-hmm. A lot of people might be reading about all this stuff. Obviously, the S&P is in the press. The gold is in the press. Crew's in the press. Now, everything's in the press. We couldn't care less. Our attitude is, and this is really what Charles came up with, and I was very blessed to be able to meet him and help bring his vision out, that um, things repeat in patterns called cycles, which are pretty much any data series, a series of equidistant top-to-tops. And that's the first thing he looks at for everything. And then he mm-hmm. has a target algorithm. Then he has a MACD, an oscillator, and all these other things. So he's looking at a lot of stuff, but it's really one basic principle bef- behind it all. If we have enough data, which means we can't do Facebook, we don't have enough data for Facebook, <laughs> we're able to predict the future kind of based on the past, which means the news now doesn't mean anything, right? According mm-hmm. to that theory, mm-hmm. the news follows the past. It doesn't, in fact, influence it. And that's not so easy for people to understand, so we're used to that also. Mm-hmm. But being that he took everyone out of gold in 1900, and we're getting ready to go long gold, obviously not today, and we're waiting till the end of the month, thank God, as we see today was not good, and, you know, cycles are bottoming the end of this month. Um, same with silver. He took everyone out of apple. We're waiting to buy that. So, we believe if you don't fight the cycles, you can't really lose much, and you can actually do very well, and you don't go through the emotional exhaustion of being on losing trades, which mm-hmm. is something people don't factor in. You're elated because you made money. Obviously, everybody always feels good. It actually, Charles told me the people, the the feeling in the brain you 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 experience when you make money is not that different from cocaine because mm-hmm. it, it, it releases dopamine. You know, no. also music, by the way, good music releases dopamine. It's a similar thing. So it, it feels good, but the reality is all the people in gold the last 18 months have not been happy, but for seven years they were pretty happy. So yeah. it all depends on how you view your approach to timing, and we think you can time things, and most people laugh at that or don't, but as you've seen in your own brief uh, experience, it's doable if you have the right tools. Imagine we've been doing this, I've been working with him 10 years, he's doing this 30 years. Mm-hmm. And so it really does work. And so I'll talk about each market now because I think that might be helpful and then I'll say why he wrote today. Because yesterday he had said something very interesting. He said, we're, we're, you know, he's looking at daily cycles and weekly cycles. What does that mean? Cycles based on ending daily data and cycles based on ending weekly data. Mm-hmm. So... Some may show up, some may show down. As of yesterday, he was looking for one more update in the, in the daily cycles to give a buy signal, which it didn't hit. Mm-hmm. And so the short-term cycle's up, but today he sent out saying basically weekly cycles are down in the S&P, and then Nikkei's down for quite a while. Nikkei's down to October. Mm-hmm. He wanted to say that because some people like to put this together. We don't. We just show you what we see in each thing. We don't think, like Charles always says, I'm not clever enough to combine these things. I'm right. not so sure that's true, but that's what he says. <laughs> I think he is clever enough, but that's okay. So anyway, S&P is in this like mixture range. If you, if you say, I got a million bucks, should I put it in now? I wouldn't, it's not worth it if there's enough risk in our system showing you could go one way, could go other. Why play it? Wait for a much better trade. That's how we look at it. We, even though we're both religious, as you know, when it comes to the market, well, 
rigid in the sense we believe it's not random that God runs the yeah. world and different. It, nonetheless, when we look, we don't say, I have to be in stocks, I have to be whatever's the best thing you take. So, for sure. example, stocks right now could go up, could go down, and they've had such a good run, why risk it? Mm-hmm. Even if you miss a couple of points, even though the downturn isn't going to be so big now because he has another system known as an overall technical model with 200 indicators that's his overlay to himself. Charles is the overlay to a lot of big places on Wall Street. He mm-hmm. came up with his own overlay, and that's not turned down yet either, so it's kind of in the middle lands, right? Then mm-hmm. Canada is a separate thing. Then gold, obviously, is continuing down, and then it's going to be up for a while, like, you know, years. We'll go back to 2200 not next week, obviously, but it's going back there. So those who were in, while he wrote on Sunday, the indicators still don't show to buy, which is true. The help is on the way soon. Right. So yeah, in no hurry. He's, yeah, yeah, he said he's in no hurry to get into gold right, right now. So but he's getting those, ready. And, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, it's, it, those of us that are biased towards gold would love to jump in, but we're, yeah. we do well to listen to. Yeah, I think uh, so. Gold stocks as well. We cover all that stuff also. So that's how we approach things. Then, of course, Nat Gas came to the 373 target. He still thinks we're going down into the high ones. And he called it uh, a year ago. Whenever the last time was six bucks to a buck seventy, year and a half ago. Let me let me understand what you just said. Yeah. He thinks we're ultimately going to below two dollars. Correct on that gas. Right. But his short term call, and this is just amazing because I I took out a short on that gas through an mm-hmm. ETF the other day. Right. Uh, and you know he said we still can see three dollars and seventy three cents, and lo and behold, that's where it is today. It got down to that level. Right. So his so the objective is there, and uh, you know if I weren't on this radio show, I'd be looking to opt out to to, to close my position. Right. We'll do it after the radio show. But uh, it, so many markets that he covers, and this is what's exciting about his work. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes left. Any uh, what about some of the other markets that that you think? Uh, well, let me like give you about? the big the question we had with one of the big funds today. What what do you, what's going on? What's the main thing? Bonds are close to a short term bounce in prices, not in rates. Mm-hmm. But longer term bonds are going to be a short. Mm-hmm. Gold is close to a short to a bottom. The euro mm-hmm. is close to topping. The Aussie's close to a major low. Apple's close to a bottom. And he's really checking the euro, which he's kept a lot of people from shorting, which was a really good trade, um, in order to see what's going to happen. I'm going to write and tell you my notes. If the euro tops, then all of a sudden we have a stronger dollar. Right, and mm-hmm. then we'll have more deflation, and then depending on interpretation, which is really what the cycles show, it's not what's happening; it's the how people vote what's happening. So, and that we could discuss the next show. But depending on sure. interpretation, th- th- what will happen in bonds, and this is all going to probably negatively affect the emerging market stocks right. and currencies, which we don't like. So, the answer to your question is: we cover a lot of stuff. Everybody should look at it, get comfortable, it takes a while, and it really helps them to frame everything beyond the news that they're getting that I think makes it difficult for them to think. Well, it sure has helped me a lot, David, I must say that, and I and pass along my thanks to Charles. I uh, would like to get Charles sometime on this show as well, he perhaps the two, be, perhaps the two of you could come on together, that would be fun too, but uh, fun. in any event, yeah. I really want to thank you again, David, for coming on to talk to us. Uh, so we'll look forward to doing it again sometime real soon. Great, Jay. It's always my pleasure. I really enjoy your show as well, and I enjoy you. 
Thank you very much. Okay, okay folks, uh, don't go away. We're going to be uh, we're going to take a commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to be with Len Lamensdorf. Really interesting uh, person here who I think you're, you, well, you're not going to want to miss what he has to say uh, about the American empire. Um, do we have a long way, time to go yet, or are we nearing an end? What are some of the signs? These are some of the issues that we'll be uh, asking Len Lamensdorf about, so don't go away. I'll be right back. talking business talk to an expert call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network golden arrow resources on the tsx exchange has recently made a new silver discovery and is presently drilling a 6500 meter program on that discovery a maiden resource calculation is expected to be released in april of this year the project is located in Jujuy Province in northern Argentina, just 30 kilometers from the Perquitas Mine, operated by Silver Standard. Golden Arrow has an experienced team with decades of experience in Argentina. Golden Arrow offers shareholders exceptional leverage with an exciting new silver discovery. SGX Resources is an exploration gold company with multiple advanced exploration projects in the Timmins Gold Camp. Recent high-grade intersections at SGX's Tully Deposit include 14 meters at 20.1 grams per ton and 17.6 meters at 11.1 grams per ton. The deposit is currently more than 600 meters along strike with a depth of up to 250 meters and remains open in all directions. SGX Resources trades on the TSX Venture Exchange with the trading symbol SXR. Visit our website at www.sgxresources.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me Len Lamensdorf. Uh, Len is an award-winning author of eight novels, three full-length uh, plays, and one motion picture, a three-time Silberman Memorial Scholar and an honors graduate of the University of Chicago. Len studied playwriting at UCLA with uh, Theater Arts Department Chairman Kenneth McGowan, uh, founder of the world-famous Provincetown Players and the original producer of the plays of Eugene O'Neill. Lamensdorf also received his J.D. degree from the University of Chicago Law School, where he was associate editor, managing editor of the University of Chicago Law Review, and completed his postgraduate work at Harvard Law School. Len's career in law and business span more than 30 years, and he draws on his extensive travel experience on five continents, to create realistic settings for his work. So welcome, Len. It's really good to have you with us on Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Well, thank you very much for the very nice intro. 
And uh, I'd like to refer to my current novel, the, Bell- the Ballad of Billy Lee, the story of George Washington's favorite slave. Yes, now, this please. This is not just a novel. This is an historical novel. And it's been vetted by Joe Ellis, the Pulitzer Prize and best-selling uh, historian, by Ron Chernow, another Pulitzer Prize-winning historian, and by the folks at Mount Vernon, the uh, estate of George Washington, mm-hmm. where right. the historian has, has checked me out. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that's very true in this. Mm-hmm. And um, as uh, Joe Ellis said, this is one of the most poignant untold stories in American history. Uh, Billy Lee was an African-American slave, and he was at George Washington's side for over 30 years. Now, they weren't equal, but it was an intimate and enduring connection. Billy was a, a great horseman. I've mentioned before that Tom Jefferson said Washington was the greatest horseman of his age, and Washington said, I, Billy Lee does things I wouldn't even try. Uh-huh. But in addition to that, let, let's, let's start out with the famous image of Washington crossing the Delaware. Yes. In those pictures, everybody's white, but that's baloney. Uh, Billy Lee is standing right next to George Washington. And when they crossed the river and they got on horseback, when they rode into battle, Billy, who was a slave, was armed with a pistol and a carbine. And on more than one occasion, he saved Washington's life. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, there, was, there was a time at the Battle of Monmouth when a huge American charge, and all of a sudden, Washington disappeared. Everybody thought he'd been shot. But what had happened was, it was an over-hundred-degree day, and Washington's horse had died under him. But there was Billy with a remount, and in a second, Washington was up on horseback, raising his sword, and everybody was cheering. So uh, Billy played a, a very large part in his life. And one of the things that most people don't even seem to know is that Billy was literate. He could read and write, and he had the responsibility for Washington's papers, his private papers, his public papers. So the guy was, you know, he, he, he was a, a many-skilled operator, uh, but also a man with a sense of humor and, and deep humanity. Uh, sometimes talking about the book, uh, people think it's just straight history, but there's a couple of love stories in here. There's the love story of George Washington with his wife, Martha, and there's the love story of Billy with a, an African-American lady named Margaret Thomas. Mm-hmm. Now, she worked for Washington at headquarters, but she was literate, and she was a free woman. Mm. And Billy wondered whether he was good enough for this lady because he was a slave. In the, in the end, uh, they, they did go through a marriage ceremony, uh, an old African ritual called jumping the broom, but they never had a minister wedding. And when the army broke uh, at, uh, at, at Valley Forge, Washington wouldn't let Billy uh, keep uh, Margaret with the army. Hmm. So they were separated then and 
despite many efforts, they never got back together again. Oh, sad. And that was sad, and, and yeah. the fact of it is that uh, despite all the things he had done, Billy remained a slave, always hoping to be free, mm. and his sla- slavery cost him the love of his life, and mm. that was, uh, that was uh, Margaret Thomas. Mm. Oh. In, a, in a sense, Jay, this was a buddy story. Mm-hmm. Although the, the buddies were the future president of the United States and a black slave. Oh, fascinating. And, and uh, that has some irony in, in today when we have an African-American president, <laughs> which, which neither Washington nor Billy could ever have foreseen. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about this then. Um, you know, this going to the Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Did they, uh, did, how do you think Washington stood on this? I mean, the institution of slavery, of course, then was respected, right? So, and a lot of slave owners treated their slaves very well, right? They had an affection for them. Well, we don't want to exaggerate that. Yeah. The, yeah. On, on the whole, uh, they treated their, their slaves as if they were slaves. Mm-hmm. They, di- they didn't always beat them. They didn't always uh, chase them. Uh, mm-hmm. They didn't always have sex with the good-looking women. Mm-hmm. But on the whole, they treated them like slaves. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Washington had a little different view than Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Jefferson thought black people were inferior, and mm-hmm. we'd be uh, doing them an injustice by setting them free because they wouldn't be able to take care of themselves. Mm. And, and, and Washington didn't have that attitude. Oh. He thought that the problem with slaves was that they were slaves, mm-hmm. and that in, in another uh, world uh, they would be just as good as white people. Mm-hmm. But he may have thought that, but the fact remains that when he died, there were 317 slaves at Mount Vernon. Wow. Billy, did, oh. uh, uh, Billy was freed by, mm-hmm. by Washington, but he was the only one that was freed at Washington's death. Another mm-hmm. 120 were freed uh, later on, but that left almost a couple hundred more who belonged to Martha. And think about this, think about this. She had inherited those slaves from her previous husband. Mm-hmm. And she could not sell those slaves or free them. They were dower slaves, and they would go back to the family. Oh, and oh. Is that a horrible idea? Yeah. If you want to know whether they thought black people were property, they thought they could pass them on. In, in their will. So, uh, we, yeah. we've, we've, come a, we've come a long way since then. But it, but it isn't true that slavery is over in, in the rest of the world. As you're aware, Jay, there, there are slaves in, in Southeast Asia. There are slaves in Africa. Uh, in, in certain places in America, there are people being held of some kind of slavery. Mm-hmm. We had the story about those poor women who were being held by this monster. That was a kind of slavery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it ain't see, over till it's over. 
Yeah, it's a human condition, I'm afraid, and a, a part of the dark side of the human race, I suppose. But, uh, well, some people would argue that maybe we are heading back to some sort of a serfdom or slavery in America these days with indebtedness being what it is. Americans are so much in debt now that uh, in, in some ways, you know, the debtors, uh, if you can't pay your debts, ultimately you come under, you lose something, don't you? Well, you, you, you certainly do. And, and we are in a situation where our debt keeps growing and growing, our, our uh, uh, national debt, our personal debt. We've got a trillion dollars worth of student loans. Yeah. Ima- imagine that. And, and jobs, and no jobs for the students when they graduate in many no, cases. No jobs. And we, and we have a power-crazed egomaniac named Ben Bernanke mm-hmm. who, uh, whose answer to this is to print money. Mm-hmm. Uh, we 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 complain about the Chinese that they don't uh, uh, raise up the value of the yuan, their yeah. their currency, while we are depreciating, debasing our currency every day. We we're keep, doing the same thing, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We're we're full of pious platitudes, but we're doing the same thing in our way, and and you know, Jay, how do we get out of this? What, what well, that happened? is that is the great question. You know, I'm not sure that we do. I, I sort of sort of have come to the belief that we are that we that the human race goes through cycles, and I think that we have forgotten an awful lot of things that our founding fathers, George Washington and others, understood when they fought the revolution. In fact, it seems to me that we are almost willingly, or not knowingly, but giving up our freedoms in. Um, uh, for the next bowl of porridge, or for the next uh, to get our, you know, for safety or whatever it is, do you feel that way? Well, uh, I, I feel that way very, very strongly, and uh, you know, uh, a lot of it is state of mind because, mm-hmm. on the whole, um, the American people are just not as optimistic as they were, let's say, twenty or thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. They're, mm-hmm. they're pessimistic, and this pessimism uh, from individuals, people who are important uh, heads of corporations, that all feeds into the economy. And, and it gets weaker instead of stronger. And, and I, I do have an, a thought, not a very original one, but a thought of how we could change the psychology of mm-hmm. people, and that would be for the president to come out with a very vigorous energy policy mm-hmm. to approve the XL pipeline to open up uh, drilling on, on uh, federal lands, wherever they may be, that would have a profound effect uh, on, on the thinking in this country mm-hmm. and the economy in this country, and therefore and the economy of the entire world. Mm-hmm. And, and well, I, I have a feeling that maybe he's going to do that. Maybe he's going to do it just before the 2014 elections, and thereby help Democrats uh, to hold on to the Senate, maybe gain in the House, or maybe he's going to wait till 2016 and he's going out of office. But it's inconceivable that he wouldn't uh, make these moves that are so obvious and mm-hmm. could be so constructive for our country and for the entire world. In order to do that, he would have to probably unravel an awful lot of regulations in the, uh, uh, that are in place right now, I guess. Yes, absolutely. But it, it's, it's the idea. 
And if Mm -hmm. the president makes that big speech and says he's going to do that, Mm -hmm. and remember, this guy may, I don't know who writes his speeches, but he's one of the best speech deliverers who ever lived. And if he got up and he had a good speech and he said these things are going to be done and we're going to fight our way uh, through the regulations, et cetera, et cetera, we'll protect the country and protect the environment, but we're going to exploit these these resources. I think the impact on the on the country would be dramatic, and and don't think he doesn't know it. That doesn't mean he'll do it, but he knows it. Somebody this morning said, I think it was on CNBC or one of the, or maybe it was Bloomberg here in New York, talked about uh, the president makes great speeches, but he doesn't uh, he doesn't follow up in policy with those speeches. So I guess he would have to, you know, it's it's the psychology is important, no no doubt about it. And I think you're right that the American people have lost their optimism. It may be to a certain extent, you know, uh, Lord Keynes liked to talk about animal spirits, and uh, and and Tom Keene on Bloomberg and and Bernanke himself talk about animal spirits. Well, my view is that if you are indebted and you can't and you're having a hard time keeping your job or finding one, it's very difficult to have animal spirits. So you need the rubber <laughs> needs to hit the road, I think, as well. But let me ask you, we want to talk about, we don't, you know, our time just goes so fast here, Lynn. Yeah, and I, 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 want, I to want, talk, want to be sure to tell people where they can get the book and so on. But, oh, but absolutely. Ahead. Let's do that first before we go any further. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. No, no, that's okay. Uh, we want to do that. The website. The, the web, website is Lynn. Lamensdorf.com. That's L E N L A M E N S D O R F.com. And you can buy the book there. You can go to Amazon and buy the, 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 the book, the physical book, or you can buy the ebook version. They're available there. Thank you for letting me get in my plug. I was going to do that in any event, so I'm, I'm glad you did. I, I'm, I'm more interested than ever in picking up a copy myself and reading this, uh, the book. I, I think it's, it sounds like it's uh, much more than just an account of history, but a very personal, uh, very touching uh, account of George Washington and, uh, and his slave. Um, you also wrote something about uh, another book that looked interesting to me called Cain's World, uh, but I don't know. You want to just take 30 seconds to tell us about that? Well, Kane's World, which was a bestseller in its day, is a business-oriented book, and it's it's the story of a, uh, of, a of a powerful developer in in Chicago, um, and it's it's very informative about the uh, Chicago political system, and uh, it hasn't changed in the years uh, since the book was written. And it's a, it's a pretty good guide for anybody who wants to get something done in Chicago. The rules are all the same. But um, the, the interesting thing is after I wrote this, this book, I got calls from people in Atlanta, New York, Los Angeles. Everybody knew who Norman Kane was. And the one, the one guy, it, it was A.N. Pritzker from the... A wealthy Pritzker fan sure. uh, called uh-huh. me and said, "That's me. Norman Kane is me." And a guy named <laughs> Bill Zeckendorf in New York yes. uh, called and said the same thing. <laughs> so uh, I, I really had touched a nerve. And, and obviously, although uh, uh, Norman Kane had a 
a, a life with some good and some bad in it, all these guys were glad to be Norman Cain. That's interesting. Fascinating. Well, I wanted to talk to you about the American empire, uh, the notion that we could be on a decline. Um, you know, it seems to me that, first of all, we weren't supposed to have a, a, an empire. Our constitution was set up as a republic, right? It's absolutely right. When did we cross over into an empire? Um, Thomas Jefferson, who was against an empire, was the first one who did it. Because although he, there was no authority for it in the Constitution, he was the guy that made the Louisiana Purchase, 1803. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And almost doubled, roughly doubled the size of the country. And, and for a guy, Tom Jefferson, you know, who claimed to be so conservative in the things that a republic could do, if he hadn't done it, I don't know what would have happened. The country would have been much different. So that, that was the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then possibly, and then, then there were the explorers without there. And, but in the, in the uh, Taft, Roosevelt era, when we decided that we belonged uh, in the Philippines and in Cuba and these other places, we, be, we began to expand this empire. And, and then beyond that, with World War I and World War II and Europe unable to solve its own problems, American presidents thought, we've got to step in there. Now, each time uh, uh, Wilson, in 1916, said he would keep us out of war, and in 1917 he went into the war. Mm-hmm. Franklin Roosevelt said he would keep us out of war, and he was he was always kidding. He knew we had to get in, into into the war. Mm-hmm. But over this period of time, we had more and more interests, more and more interests to uh, to protect. I, I'm amused by people who say that the Afghan war is uh, or the Iraqi war is too long. We had such a long war. The joke is we. We've never had a true peace treaty in Korea. Mm-hmm. We still have yeah. troops, <laughs> and that's since the 1950s. That's true. And we've got, uh, we've got troops in Japan, mm-hmm. and we have fewer troops in Germany, but we still have troops. Right. And if you so go back into history, you look at, at the Roman Empire, and there was more than one, but we think of it as one. They stretched themselves too far. And they, at, at the very ends of the empire, they didn't have Roman soldiers. They had Persian soldiers and mm. other things. So they didn't have people fighting for them who had this really strong affiliation with Rome. Right. Now, right. And, uh, I, I think this is a, a, a pretty peculiar example. But, it, but here we've got this... this uh, uh, gentleman, Mr. Snowden, mm-hmm. who, who's out there at the edge now in, in Hong Kong, and, and this guy is a mercenary. Uh, mm-hmm. he, wa- he wasn't a part of the military in any way, not really part of the CIA. He, he works for a, a, another uh, company. And, and we have tremendous investments with all of these companies, and we hope they're loyal to the United States. We hope they care, but, but they are uh, merch, mercantile organizations. 
And we cannot expect of them the same kind of loyalty and patriotism we expect from, uh, say, SEAL Team 6. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you just answered one of my questions, perhaps, and that was what are some of the signs that the American empire is in decline? Uh, do, you, do you see this then, this sort of uh, overstretch, uh, trying to go beyond what you're able to finance, what you're able to do, and then you sort of water down the very purpose of your existence, the, the country loses its moral fiber or its value system. Is this what's happening to us? I, I couldn't have said it better, Jay. You just said it. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing is, one of the, one of the things, for example, the Romans did, and others have done the same, they debased their currency. Right. Over a period of time, the decurion or whatever they were using became worth less and less and less. That's the American dollar, less yeah. and less and less. And, and people know that. People understand that. They may not think about it as some uh, intellectual uh, government program, but they know that their dollar doesn't buy what it used to buy. Right, exactly right. Well, you know, Len, uh, my engineer is telling me we're just about out of time here, and uh, we're just getting started on this issue, so maybe we'll have to talk to you again sometime. But I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about debasing the currency. We're going to be talking to Dr. Karen Hudis, who's coming up next. She is a whistleblower, former lead counsel at the uh, World Bank, and she's concerned about many of the same things that you're talking about. So we're, we're going to have to go to a commercial break now uh, and and set a time to have you back sometime, Len, because I think you have so much more to talk about. It's really been fun uh, talking to you, and I, I hope you can come back sometime soon. I'd be happy to, Jay. Thanks for the opportunity. And the website once more. LenLamonsdorf.com LenLamonsdorf.com Just like it sounds, folks, get the book. It's really interesting, and I think it will help you understand your country better if you read it. Thank you very much. Folks, don't go away. We're going to be right back after the commercial break with Dr. Karen Hudis. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Sandgold is an aggressive gold company operating in Manitoba, Canada, a top-ranked gold mining region. Sandgold's most recent gold discovery, the Shoreline Basalt Mining Unit, is already in production at more than 75,000 ounces per year. And Sandgold continues to pursue nearby targets within one of Manitoba's most prospective gold mining trends, the Rice Lake Gold Belt. Discover the potential at Sandgold. Trading symbol is SGRCF on the OTCQX and SGR on the Toronto Exchange. Visit our website at www.sandgold.ca. 